Good morning. This crowd's a lot livelier than the one was in there, <clears throat> at least so far. Now, I have to give a little apology, because I believe the Lord did give me the scripture that we're going to look at today, but to do that portion of scripture justice, I found myself having to use more and more scriptures to explain it as I felt the Lord was leading me. So I apologize again. This is going to look more like a Bible study than it is a Sunday sermon, but uh, just bear with me. Um, as far as an introduction goes today, I, I just wanted to... Um, I wanted to read in lieu of a typical introduction, I, I wanted to read our statement of belief for this church. We may have visitors here today, and I think it helps set uh, what we're going to look at today. It tells a little bit about who we are, what we stand for, so without any further delay. We believe in the divine inspiration of the Holy Scriptures, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. We believe in one God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as told in 2 Corinthians 13.14. We believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the only salvation for a sinful and lost human race, 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, verses 3 through 6. We believe in the redemption by the blood of Christ, by his grace and not by works. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. We also believe in the everlasting life and security of the believer. Never, ever has one who's truly saved ever lost their salvation. John 10, 28. We believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in every born-again believer. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. We believe in the unity and the common priesthood of all believers who together from one true church of which Christ is the living head. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And we believe in the intimate return of Christ in the air for every born-again believer to be forever with the Lord. Let's just take a moment and pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we just come before you now and we look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who we always rely on, and should rely on. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would just take control of this time. Help me to be clear. Give clarity to your scriptures. And may all have their lives touched today for your honor and your glory. And if there's anyone here today 
who does not yet know you as their Lord and Savior or comes to the realization that they need to be born again, we pray this will be the first day of the rest of their life. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our text this morning is from the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20, probably familiar to most, if not all of us. It is, again, one of my favorite scriptures, and as a very young Christian, when I just stumbled upon it, it just pumped me something wonderful. It just really lifted me up. It gave me a better understanding of how I should live, how I should walk as a Christian. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. May the Lord bless the reading of his scripture. I'm going to do my best to break this down as simply as possible. It starts with, I have been crucified with Christ. Right off the bat, Paul is making a major statement here for believers. Romans chapter 6, 5 through 9. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we also will be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. <clears throat> A quote. When we come to Christ, our old nature must die. So the new nature will reign in us and are truly redeemed. Those of us who are truly redeemed. We must be letting the new nature reign in our lives every day, or there's no victory in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verses 5 through 10, puts it this way. Again, we're looking at his first statement, I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul saying this. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put aside all anger, wrath, malice, slander, 
abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 through 26. Now, those who belong to Christ have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, we will also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. It is God's desire for us to be totally, totally dependent on him for every day of our lives going forward. That is to explain a little bit of what it means to be crucified with Christ. I hope it made some sense. Next we have, and it is no longer I who live, Paul's next words, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. A question. Were you a selfish person before you came to Christ? Or maybe you were a rebel, or hateful, or jealous, or harsh, or full of anger, or dishonest, or a liar, or immoral or a thief, or a wicked, or arrogant, and full of pride? I can say I was. I had many of those qualities. I don't deny it. But I'm thankful that it is no longer I who live in this body. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 really clearly states there's only two places we're only led by two we're either led by God taught by God protected by God or we rest in the hands of the devil it's that clear it's that easy Ephesians 2 1 through 6 is a good explanation of that and you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, that is the devil, and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived, in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That can come as a shock to some people that maybe think they've led a pretty good life. This may be a, a, a harsh wake-up, but this is God speaking. There is no one good but God. There is no one good but Jesus Christ, his Father, and the Holy Spirit. But here's the wonderful part. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, 
even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. To that I say hallelujah. And that's why it is no longer I who live, as Paul's staining it. Jesus is in control. Jesus must be in control. If Jesus isn't in control, and you attend a church, that's all you're doing. You can be faithful. You can show up on time. You can even take on responsibilities. You can tithe. You can do many things. You can read your Bible. If you are not and have not accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you just have religion. And religion can't get you to heaven. Next, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. Let us behave properly as in the day not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. We as Christians have only one choice, and that's to lead a holy, separated life. In him. You can't run both sides. You can't run in the world and on the other hand try and walk with Christ. It won't work. Christ will let you. He'll take his hands off. I'm not saying he won't chastise you. But we must freely give him his authority in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. There's a marvelous thing about the moment we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. There's relief. There's peace. There's amazing joy, not for the moment. That joy carries us through some big trials in our life. It never leaves us unless momentarily if we grieve God. But he gives us the fruit of the spirit. Those characteristics, love, that's his love. There's no love like that on this earth. There never will be. There never has been. God's love is different. After you get saved, you can look at the neighbor that you've wanted to lynch for 35 years, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, I should be praying for that person. They need Jesus. That's God's love. Tell me you ever thought about that before you got saved. Oh, no, no. Maybe a gun's better than a lynch. No, that's the nature. That's the old nature. That's the evilness. That's the wickedness that's in us from birth. But Christ lives in me. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And that's some of them. Love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, 
I had none of that. It's a blessing. And from, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, yes, we're still in the flesh here, until we go see him in glory, we still have the flesh. If I ask the question, who's your biggest enemy? I bet a lot of you would say the devil. And you wouldn't be far off. But trust me, there's one other person that potentially can be your greatest enemy on the face of the earth. And that's not the bad guys, excuse me, that we read about in the newspaper. Oh no, it's the person we look at first in the morning in the mirror. Without Jesus Christ in control, without him reigning in our life, we can do a lot of damage without the, without the devil. He'll be there to cheer us on. But it's so important that we stay surrendered to Jesus Christ. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Yes, it's faith. There's nothing that can replace faith. Faith is an amazing thing. Colossians 2, verse Excuse me, Colossians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. For even though I am absent in the body, this is Paul speaking um, to the believers at, at, in Colossians. Though I am absent in the body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit. And by the body, he's talking about the body of Christ that was in, in Colossians, okay? So... For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And that's what we have to do every day. Every day, we have to walk in him. I love this quote about faith. Faith is a wonderful thing. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is dead to doubt, dumb to discouragement, blind to impossibilities, and knows nothing but success in God. That's faith. Before I go on, I just want to take a moment and talk to the youth of our church because when I went, when I was in my youth, in my early 20s, I unfortunately wasn't a Christian. I didn't have that in my life. And I was, as it said in Ephesians, I was firmly in the grasp of the Prince of Darkness. But I want to just say to the youth, stay close to Jesus. I know your parents have told you that. I know, I know you hear that here a lot. But be careful of this present world. Because even in my generation, it wasn't like it is in yours. There's a lot of stuff out there. And it can look really, really, really good. 
But trust me, it's really, really, really bad. Its end result can be crippling. It won't give you joy. There's no joy. There's no of God's joy in the pleasures of this world. None. Zip. Zilch. None. Stay close to him. And remember, there's only two forces in the world. Our God and the devil. And if you're with our God and walking with him, then the devil doesn't have a prayer. He can harass you. He can bother you. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen. Another quote. Christians are not ruined by living in the world, but by the world living in them. We need to guard ourselves all the time to make sure we're walking with him cleanly, holy. The word holy is separation. That's what holy means. A holy God is separated from mankind because he is perfect. He is without sin. Until man has been redeemed, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, he cannot enter into a relationship with God. Only then can you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Only then can you grow when he's in control. God's not pleased with rebels. God's not pleased with people that try and play both sides of the fence. God's not pleased with anyone who has infections towards another person and they get carried away and go beyond what they should unless they're married. God has no tolerance for immorality because he's a holy, just God. And you'll get nothing. You will lose your joy you won't lose your salvation if you're truly saved, but you will lose your joy and you will lose your peace because you've grieved God. And it isn't just physical. It can be what you look at, what you listen to, who you hang out with. Trust me, we all need to lead holy lives for him. First John Chapter 2, verses 15 and 17 put it very, very clear. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Amen. And I might add, lives happily, joyfully. There's a song I love. I'm just going to read it. But it really explains the spirit that a Christian should have. It starts out saying, I have decided to follow Jesus, and it says it three times. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. <laughs> it's on the screen. Okay, next verse. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Next verse. Though none go with me, and that can happen in this world, you can have friends just turn around and walk away from you when you try and share your Christ. Newsflash. If they walk away from you, if they don't at least hear you out, they're not your friends. Stand fast for Jesus Christ. Amen. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Will you decide to follow Jesus? Will you decide to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back. No turning back. And for the last part of that scripture, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Romans 8, verses 37 through 39. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. That's victory, folks. That's the spirit we have in Jesus Christ. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Galatians Chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, as Paul greets the Galatians, he puts it this way. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. And boy, is it evil. It's really evil. It's never been more evil according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be all the glory forevermore. Amen. Again, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Amen? Amen. Another quote, Religion can't save a person, and trying to be good won't open the doors to heaven. Only faith and acceptance in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross will give us eternal life. 
Just before I close in prayer, with eyes closed and heads bowed, I just want to read you the words to one more song, and we will end in prayer. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken, take me Jesus, take me now. All to Jesus I surrender, make me Savior holy thine. Let me feel thy Holy Spirit, truly know that thou art mine. All to Jesus I surrender, Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power, let thy blessing fall on me. I surrender all, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that we've had this time to open your word and look at the words that Paul has inspired myriads of Christians for centuries. We thank you for this opportunity. We just ask now that you bless these scriptures to our heart. Let us have victorious lives with you, Lord Jesus. Let us taste the goodness of God each and every day. Let us be willing to stand against the wickedness of this present world and always be willing to share with someone the good news and the eternal life that awaits them if they turn their lives over to you. And we pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.